Welcome to the American Warrior Festival podcast, a celebration of our troops, veterans, and American way of life. I'm your host, Dan Clore. Welcome back, American Warrior Festival family. This is episode three of the American Warrior Festival podcast, and today's episode is entitled Military and Veteran Camaraderie. Military and Veteran Camaraderie. It's a powerful thing, a feeling of belonging, a family fiber so strong that it carries through for the rest of our lives. It's not easily explained, but you know when you feel it. We call each other brother, sister, even though we were born states apart. We're from the city. We're from the country, but we all came together for a common mission. We bring all of our life experiences as different as they may be and inject them into one lethal well-oiled machine to preserve our nation's freedoms. We learn about each other's culture. We have different musical tastes. We have different accents. From north, south, east, and west, we blend and become family, a microcosm of the great country we defend. We argue and we fight as families often do, but at the end of the day, we take care of our own. Whether it's a night out on the town or on the battlefield, we are there to defend the man and woman to the left and right of us. This is our ultimate creed. We build our foundation together while we serve. We help each other through the tough times and we celebrate like no other. We constantly clown on each other in the branches for which we serve, but it's all out of respect. We say all the derogatory things to each other face to face while we praise each other behind our backs. It's just the way it is. When our time in the military is through, our family continues to grow. We form veteran organizations and clubs to make sure that we take care of each other and continue to spend time together. The bond can never be broken. When Uncle Sam comes up short, we fill the gaps by providing for one another. We pick ourselves up and trudge onward, putting one foot in front of the other, because that's what warriors do. We're rude, often crude, dedicated, loyal, compassionate, stubborn, and brave, and we'd sacrifice our life for you. We are veterans of the U.S. military, one big, happy, dysfunctional family. We wouldn't have it any other way. Coming up next, we have Major Thomas Bertram, USMC veteran, and featuring some more music from our flagship band, Weapon X. Here is... Win the war within.
the American Warrior Festival podcast brought to you by the Red Osier Landmark Restaurant, Western New York's premier dining experience, known for its amazing prime rib and dedication to the veteran community. Visit them online at theredosier.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. We have with us my good friend and brother, Major Thomas Bertram, USMC retired. Tom is also a veteran outreach specialist at RIT for Veterans Upward Bound. Hey, Tom, how's it going, brother? Hey, Dan, how you doing, man? Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, it's it's a pleasure. I'm really excited to have you on. And, uh, you know, Tom and I met at a, a great show in Batavia. We had the American Warrior Festival sponsorship appreciation show at TF Browns. And uh, Tom was kind enough to bring the uh, the RIT Veterans Upward Bound information table to our event to help all the veterans learn about the great uh, program they have going on there at RIT. So, Tom, uh, tell them a little bit about what you do here. Yeah, so at, uh, for Veterans Upward Bound, uh, it's a uh, it's a TRIO program, which is a federally funded grant through the Department of U.S. Education. And uh, what we do primarily there is uh, Veterans Upward Bound assist military service members in all aspects of college admission process, including applying for and understanding financial aid benefits and providing an academic foundation with classes and tutoring for veteran participants. VUB helps veterans of all ages navigate the education system and gain access to information about college and career exploration and improves their academic skills needed for entry into the program of their choice uh, through those classes and academic support that we offer. Uh, we, we can provide services uh, at any school uh, for a certificate or any trade program. Uh, our current program is uh, one of many in the United States, but uh, we service the nine counties surrounding Rochester. So we were in, uh, we're uh, surrounding Rochester, we're Genesee, Livingston, Monroe, Ontario, Orleans, Seneca, Wayne, Wyoming, and Yates County is, uh, is our capture area for uh, veterans. And the great thing about the program is as long as they live in that capture area, they don't need to be going to a school in this area uh, for us to be able to assist them with their application, a school tour, and all the services that Veterans Upward Bound provides are free, a free of charge to the veteran. So it's just another opportunity, you know, to assist veterans through their transition. You know, like I said, work with veterans of all ages. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working with uh, veterans as young as 22, and I have uh, a couple veterans that are in their late 50s that I'm getting back to school. Uh, and, and we work closely with the VA on, you know, helping the veterans understand their benefits and advocating for them where we can, you know, with things like vocational rehab and, you know, some of the other uh, Chapter 31 and 33 um, programs for uh, the education benefits for the GI Bill. So. It's uh, it's extremely rewarding for me. It's uh, I've been out for three years now since I retired, and uh, it's by far the most rewarding uh, job I've had, and I've had a couple. So, so, so Tom, you guys, this is a great uh, kind of a bridge between the VA and the educational system for the veteran, right? I mean, this is kind of a, a, a great way for you to connect those two major dots that veterans sometimes might not know how to navigate. Right, and there's, you know, and depending on what they've been doing, I mean, a lot of veterans, they've been out of the classroom for at least four to five years. So they're, you know, they're not really in that mode, right? Uh, any any skill or, you know, ability is perishable, if you, obviously, if you don't use it or don't practice it. But, um, you know, getting into the university, it's a completely different. Higher education is a completely different animal. 
you know, than, you know, serving in the military. So, you know, there, there can be a certain amount of anxiety, you know, not disinformation, but like misinformation, um, depending on, you know, what their service counselor told them on the way out the door, what was said in their, you know, Department of Labor um, separation uh, seminar that they went to. So what, what we're able to do is kind of, you know, give them straight scoop on, hey, here's your benefits. Here's some of the things you need to be considering, you know, and uh, it, we uh, we offer uh, an assessment test that, you know, allows them to kind of gauge and it helps us gauge where they're going to be academically, right? So one of the things we try to avoid through our program is having veterans burn benefits, uh, their GI benefits, on sub-100 classes that they're not getting credit for. Because they've been out of the classroom for so long, some of those math skills, the algebra, you know, the statistics or, you know, the geometry and that stuff, it's kind of gone by the wayside if they weren't using it. So as, as opposed to getting stuck in a class they're not getting credit for and burning benefits, we offer tutoring and training and uh, one-on-one -on -one tutoring, uh, you know, to help really customize, you know, that academic education plan for that individual veteran to get them where they need to be successful in a program. So we do the same with science, uh, you know, we, uh, GCC, uh, Genesee Community College has a, a really popular nursing program and we offer science tutoring uh, for anatomy and physiology and cellular biology and things of that nature, just to get their brains thinking in that direction again. So it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's really rewarding and, and it's good to see, you know, it's good to see the benefits and the fruits of the labor, um, you know, with the veterans, you know, when they call you up later on, because, you know, we're, we're, we're mostly a, an admissions program, we're an enrollment program. And the handoff is once they get enrolled, um, they've completed, you know, the VUB program. Uh, we'll track them through graduation, but we don't have a lot of interaction with them afterwards. Um, myself personally and, and my colleagues, we, we tend to stay in touch with the vets that we're working with just to see how they're doing because st stuff may come up. And part of our charter uh, through the Department of Education is to also, you know, put them in the veterans in touch with those wraparound services in the community, specifically for any service supports that they might need. Uh, you know, if they need, you know, if they need to work on a budget, if they need financial assistance, you know, applying for a home, things of that nature, and partnering much like with you know, American War Festival, partnering with other non-veteran nonprofits, you know, that have have a pulse on, you know, what's available in the community, and knowing where to go and connect them uh, to those services in the community. Oh, it's it's amazing. I mean, because think about it, a lot of a lot of veterans. I know when I, when I got out and stuff, even just the VA benefits. It was kind of an information overload. I wasn't sure how to how to go about it. So outreach programs like like yours and uh, you know our buddy Sean Crandall with the Vet Center when yeah. he brings his truck yeah. up. I mean, I know you and Sean work together on quite a quite a few things because it just goes hand in hand. But right, they're great programs to break it down. And all the the veterans also realize that it's uh, you know one of their brothers or sisters walking them through it. They can trust they can trust every you know everyone here involved in that and that's powerful sure. oh absolutely and also i mean too with you know depending on exactly where that vet's at i mean uh everybody you know every veteran is different you know everybody's living the you know their their world through their own eyes so um you know and, and being able to have you know solid resources and people that understand i think one of the benefits um that i bring to being an outreach specialist is you know i did 22 years in the marine corps uh, I was prior enlisted before, you know, I finished my education and became an officer, you know, so I've, uh, you know, I've had that experience of being on a working party, you know, and, and, and being the new guy that gets assigned all the crap details, you know, and, you know, I, I'm able to, you know, connect with them on that level. 
can understand a little bit about, you know, maybe, you know, what their needs might be. Uh, and, and, you know, somebody that kind of gets it, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's a powerful thing. And that I want to touch on that because, you, you know, when I got a chance to really read through your resume and your career, I, I was just really impressed, brother. It's the, the things that you've done in your career and your 22 years in the Marine Corps, starting out as an enlisted man, which we, we all know in the Marine Corps, the weight that that carries when you become an officer after being prior enlisted, they instantly, the enlisted men instantly recognize that you were one of them at one time and you can understand them. And like you said, you're there police calling as a private or a Lance Cooley, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's, yeah. that's just an awesome thing. So why don't we tell the people a little bit about, uh, your Marine Corps career and just the things that you were really excited about doing while you were in? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, I enlisted, uh, I went to college right out of high school. Uh, I enlisted in, uh, so I did about three years of college. wasn't really working out. Uh, wasn't mature enough yet, really, to, you know, to go to college. Um, and uh, is really what it boiled down to. And then um, I came home from college. Now my, my dad didn't graduate high school, so, you know, I came home from a four-year university and told him I was going to take some classes at a community college. But he had no idea that there was no classes for me to take at a community college. I was trying to sandbag him, and uh, so <laughs> so he got all he got a little, you know, he got a little bent out of shape because uh, you know I came home early December, and was supposed to go back late January. And I mean, I knew what I was doing. I knew what was up. I knew the score, but I had to wait, right? So I tell him mid January, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to stick around and take some classes at. Uh, at the community college and you know then he goes into this tirade i mean i've been away for almost four years at that point and he's like you didn't want me living at the house and, he, and i'm like okay got it got it and then he no balls to me he, he said if i had any balls i'd go join the marine corps so uh we, we finished <laughs> eating lunch and we went up to I, I listed out of phoenix arizona and we went up to uh the recruiting station at 75th avenue in indian school which was about a mile from where we were eating at the mr sub and uh, yeah, then I joined the Marine Corps. I joined the Marine Corps. I went, entered the DEP program uh, late January, and then uh, went to boot camp February of 1995. So uh, didn't spend too much time sitting around uh, the late entry program. Went uh, MCRD San Diego. Uh, from there, I went to SOI, um, and then graduated in SOI. Uh, wound up uh, being assigned to uh, First Battalion South Marines Bravo Company out of 29 Palms. So. I was an infantry guy out there for almost four years, three and a half years. Um, about a year into my uh, tour out there, I uh, took the scout sniper platoon uh, induct and passed it, was selected. Subsequently, went to uh, scout sniper school in the urban sniper course um, and then was eventually picked up on the MESEP program to uh, go back to school. So I had so many college credits, I was only out of the fleet for like 18 months. Well, I was. I take that back. I was out of, uh, I was only at school for 18 months. So, um, yeah, I got commissioned in 2000 um, as a second lieutenant. I was designated a communications officer and got a, a fantastic opportunity to uh, work with uh, George Bristol. Colonel George Bristol retired uh, at the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program when he was standing that up in 2000. So uh, I worked with him nice. for about four and a half months, waiting to start school. Um, and then, you know, that, that was a, a really fantastic opportunity for me because 
it got me, you know, it, it got me exposed to a lot of different things because it was a brand new program. And, uh, you know, he kind of took me under his wing and, uh, you know, showed me around. So like anytime he was on the East coast, you know, he would, you know, he would ask for me to come and, you know, go to these briefs and demonstrations with him. Uh, wound up at Second Force Reconnaissance as their communications officer. Uh, and then when uh, OIF kicked off, uh, we deployed with Task Force Tarawa. Uh, got, got to do some uh, really uh, incredible things uh, during my time there. Got exposed to a lot of different, uh, you know, Tier 1 assets and just a bunch of, you know, I got a real good education in the special operations community when Task Force Tarawa became the main effort in Al-Nazaria uh, during the Jessica Lynch um uh, situation and uh so yeah that was uh it, it was really an incredible opportunity it was kind of you know as a young guy um you know i was it was a 27 year old first lieutenant and uh, uh that was you know I, that was probably one of that was the highlight of my career at that point and it was uh probably my entire 22 years like that's what I came in to do, right? It's what everybody comes in to do. Right. Uh, when you join the infantry is, you know, to go and, you know, and just do the job. So. The, the essence the, of the Marine Corps, the foundation of the Marine right, Corps, right? right. All, all the great jobs we have in the Corps and, and, and they all matter. They all work like a great oh, well oil machine. Yeah. But at the heart of it all, we are a fighting force. Oh, for yeah. sure. And I mean, and then just because at that level, getting to see you know, just how, like, the logistics in the air and just how it all comes together, like, to really understand on a subcutaneous level just what the combined arms, you know, capability of the Marine Corps is. And it was, like I said, it was something, you know, I was very fortunate to be a part of, uh, very lucky to be a part of. So after that, I left, uh, I think it was 04, 04, late 04, I uh, checked in to RS Buffalo for recruiting duty, uh, RS Buffalo, no longer exists, but uh, during the time it was there, so I was on recruiting duty for a few years uh, as an operations officer and an executive officer uh, working in Western New York, um, going into all the high schools, working with recruiters and all. You know, we we our territory went from Erie, Pennsylvania. We had the northern uh, Pennsylvania counties, and we went all the way to Syracuse. Uh, so we covered that whole area for our recruiting station. Uh, so, you know, got a Got a pretty good look at how the, you know, how the Marines are, you know, you, you can take the civilian population and screen them out, you know, to try to make them Marines. And uh, so, you know, that was, again, another fantastic opportunity for me. From there, I went to school, uh, Expeditionary Warfare School, which is uh, the career level course for, you know, all captains. And um, after that was assigned to uh, the Marine Corps Embassy Security Program, which uh, was another really uh, fantastic opportunity um, with the, I mean, it's, as the operations officer there, um, I also ran the uh, Marine Security Guard School and um, just was exposed to a lot of different things, obviously working with the State Department very closely. Um, and, you know, we had at the time, I think it was 157 detachments. We were in 134 different countries. We covered 18 time zones. So there was always something going on. And, um, I, again, was fortunate enough to, you know, get out and, you know, see the Marines out at post and make sure that the training we're providing was, you know, was appropriate and effective. And then also having to work with the State Department, getting that interagency piece and kind of seeing how that works, which, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of amazing professionals in the other government agencies. And, you know, they all 
there, there's a lot of different dogs and cats out at embassies. So, you know, you, uh, again, it's just uh, continued education and just how it all comes together, you know, for the national security apparatus, seeing a lot of the stuff that goes on, you know, downrange, um, keeping that enemy at bay, not only, you know, diplomatically, but, you know, in, in those, uh, in those combat zones. So, right. So, I mean, with your career here, you were doing so many cool different things that I'd imagine everything was fresh. Every every new adventure and every new job yeah. in billet that you filled, right? I mean, was that yeah. one of the yeah. greatest so, things about was, your career? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I, I didn't have a traditional career path. I, I did a lot of different stuff that wasn't specific, you know, to my uh, to my MOS as a communications right. officer. So, um, and I, and I'm I'm very thankful for that because otherwise, you know, you just kind of get stovepiped. And uh, you know, one of the one of the best books I've read recently is a book called Range by David Epstein. And what he talks about in there is that, you know, people in fields of study and uh, have become so uh, specialized that, uh, you know, sometimes they're, uh, sometimes it's a, it's a hindrance to the ability to solve, you know, wicked or complex problems because your entire world's governed by either, you know, your physics background or your, you know, uh, astrophysics background or your biological background, you know, so when you specialize down, sometimes you miss the, you know, the forest because of the trees and having, having a broad range of experiences, you know, I, I believe has certainly offered me a, a different perspective on some of my peers that, you know, stayed in that career field, whether it be, you know, communications, infantry, logistics, right? So, um, I, I feel pretty fortunate to have just a, a wide range of experiences and, and, you know, knowledge uh, on a lot of different things. So, and, and I th again, I think that uh, it translates well to the veterans I'm working with, whether, you know, they're in the Air Force, the Army, National Guard, Marine Corps, you know, Navy. Um, I found it, you know, uh, pretty, pretty easy uh, to, you know, make, make the veterans comfortable and, you know, talk through some of their problems because, Everybody's coming to the table with different stuff, and uh, having been a commanding officer uh, a few times, uh, and having to deal with Marines and their family problems, and you know, just just you know, being a being a human's messy enough. And then you uh, you know you, you get into the military, you get into the armed services, and you know now you're deploying. You know you're adding other stressors to a, a already you know stressful experience of you know being a human, trying to you know keep your family together and stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah, I feel pretty fortunate. And see, that's amazing work too, because we know the challenges with deployments, not only on the uh, the you know servicemen themselves, but their families and what what everyone goes through, and how challenging it is. I mean, just being away from your loved ones and your children for a year, a year and a half, six months, seven months. You know, it's a it's a lot of pressure. So when these guys get out, there's a lot of different things that on their mind that they're trying to sift through. You know, trying to get their family life back in order. What the hell are they going to do now for work? You know, so a guy like you that's yeah. been through all of that, you got to have to be like, a, you know, a huge security to them that they know here's a guy who knows exactly what we're going through. He's going to help me bridge this gap. He can help me on all these different fronts. It's amazing work you're doing, brother. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate that. I mean, I like I said, I retired three years ago. And the transition, I mean, the struggle's real, man. Um, you know, and, you know, just some of the stuff, I mean, I, was divorced, uh, you know, so, uh, and that's how I wound up back in, in Rochester. My ex-wife is from here. So, um, you know, I came back here to, you know, try to, you know, 
be a father to my kids, obviously, which I'm doing now, but uh, just all that lost time, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the other things, too, is, you know, a lot of people, civilians in particular that haven't been in the military, don't really know anybody in the military, is that when, you know, when a service member does a deployment, you know, there's going to be a, there's going to be an identity crisis, you know, when they get back, like, where do they fit in? Because, right. you know, we're kind of in a bubble downrange. Obviously, we have our job to do and everybody's doing, you know, what they're supposed to be. But uh, life goes on back, you know, back home. And, you know, maybe it was your job to take the trash out and do the dishes. Well, when you get home, somebody's, you know, the trash had to go out, the dishes had to get done. You know, so, right. uh, you know, life just continues to, you know, to go on uh, with or without you. And, uh, and you know, and I've had, I've had experiences, you know, struggling with that. I've had periods of time where I struggled with that because... You know, your whole identity can get wrapped up into, you know, being a Marine or being a soldier, right. you know, and right. and then when it's it's time to come home, um, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, you know, the, the family's still there. I mean, I've, I've had Marines have come home, their house has been empty, you know, it just, I mean, it runs the gamut. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of extra, you know, there's a lot of extra friction associated with that, especially when you do a lot of deployment. Absolutely. I mean, one of the jobs I think in, in the uh, military that kind of collides a little bit with um, home and family life is uh, the drill field, drill instructors, and, right. you know, right, trying to go into that environment where you're just barking the whole day and then having to come home and be the loving dad or loving mo- mother, you know, it's. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's the same with recruiting. Uh, so those people are specifically recruiting in the drill field. I mean, it would probably be easier on families if they were deployed, right? Because right. they're there, like you're, you're either at PI or at MCRD, San Diego, or if, you know, you got Marines on recruiting duty, they think they're going to be home by 4.30 for dinner, but then they get home at 10.30. You know what I mean? And it's, right. just, and, and it's just a whole other level of, you know, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to miscommunicate with your loved ones when you, you have no control over your schedule uh, you know, when you're home locally, all living together in the same house, you know what That's I mean? Great, great point. Great point. Because yeah, the kids are like, you know, mom or dad's going to be home yeah. at 1600, you know, and then it's four <laughs> or five hours later yeah. and yeah. you know, it's just, yeah, it's very dynamic. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Tom, I'd like to ask you now kind of, you know, what your view is on what we do here at American warrior and, and also, uh, you know, the future of veteran-based organizations, uh, nonprofits and, and just organizations in general that focus on helping veterans move forward. Yeah, so what I, uh, you know, what really drew me to, to your organization is that you, you're like a broker, right? Like, so you you have all these nonprofits that, you know, support your cause, but you just, you bring everybody together, right? And Awesome. And there's, you know, the, the nonprofit space or, you know, especially the veteran nonprofit space, working for veteran nonprofits. And there's a lot in the area. There's no shortage of service. But, you know, there's uh, there's there's resource competition. Right. Like so, uh, you know, the, the veteran nonprofit space can get a little snarky at times, um, you know, because they're they're competing for grants or they're competing for donations. And, you know, they're trying to do fundraisers. And I, I mean, and I don't know how familiar you are with, uh, you know, uh, golf tournament fundraisers, but uh, especially here in the Rochester area. I mean, during the summer, obviously during the golf season, there's like no shortage. There'd be there'd be anywhere from five to ten in one weekend. Right. Wow. So there's a sea of goodwill out there and, and, and people want to help and they, they want to donate. And, you know, um, but 
there's there's only so much, only so many times you can go to the well. So it's a great you know, point. It, it can you know it can get it can get hyper competitive, and you know, and again, you know, people uh, you know being human is uh, is messy, and emotions can you know get in the way. Uh, but I think what 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 your organization does is it just takes all that off the table. It's like, hey, we're getting some bands together. Bring your tables, spread the word. Let's do this, right? Simple, straight Absolutely. to the point. You know, and uh, and uh, dude, I love you, man. Like oh, you're thanks. always you always got a huge smile on your face. You're always running around making sure everybody's taken care of. And, uh, thanks, and, and you're out there, yeah, man. You're out there doing it every day bringing, you know, bringing people together and, and, and making sure people know what's available to them out there, especially, you know, in the veteran community and the nonprofit where they can go for resources. So, I mean, it's a great model. Uh, and uh, and I, I think it's probably one of the better that I've seen just in the sense that, uh, you know, there's no territory to be had. You can show up, you can hand out your flyers, you can hand out your brochures, right. you can talk to vets. Because, I mean, different organizations, you know, they have their niches where, you know, they, they focus on one thing. It might be homeless housing. It, you know, it, it might be temporary shelter. You know, it, it might be food, uh, you know, things of that nature, helping them pay their bills. Everybody's, you know, every nonprofit's got their, you know, their little niche. But there's also a lot of uh, crossover, you know, a lot of duplicate efforts, uh, duplicate services, which, you know, can kind of get lost in the shuffle, which is unfortunate because everybody's out there just trying to do good work and, you know, and help vets. So... But I, one of the advantages of your, you know, like I said, of your organization is that not not only do you have, you know, you, you have a national platform um, and, you know, which brings exposure because, I mean, now, you know, with your podcast, you know, there's people live, listening in, in Texas or California or whatever that might not know about Veterans Upward Bound. But, I mean, it's a national program. So uh, they're right. more than they're, I'm more than happy to take a phone call or an email from anybody, but and absolutely you know, put them in touch with local resources in their area that I'm familiar with, uh, just in the Veterans Upper Bound Network. See that, and that's amazing. And and when I put this together early on, I said, you know, I want to do two major things. I want to entertain our military and veteran family and the community as a whole. I want to make this uh, inclusive for everyone to come together and just have a great time through entertainment. Uh, you know, our bread and butter is concerts, but we're also getting into uh, the Yankees games and and bro, yeah. the the Raiders, you know, and yeah. <laughs> you know, Do and, it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So just win, baby. Just win, baby. And <laughs> I I have to tell you now, our silent producer uh, that's hidden away, lurking in the shadows, is a freaking Chiefs fan. So we'll uh, we'll oh. let that, we'll, we'll have to uh, somehow try to find a for, forgiveness yeah, we'll have, in that. But we'll have to take him to the Raiders. Boo, Chiefs down game at the Raiders <laughs> in Kansas City when the Raiders beat him. Yeah, exactly. you'll have to sit in between us. <laughs> exactly. We'll show him. We'll put it. We'll put him in a shit sandwich for sure. So uh, go Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, you can mute yourself now again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's we really want to entertain the veterans and then show them. Hey, how'd you guys like the music? Oh, we loved it. Yeah. The food was great. The beer was great. Wow. Did you did you go over there and find out yeah. about all the services there to help you? Go see Tom at the. Uh, you know the v the vo or the bub table go see yeah. go see him over at the uh, waves project whatever organization mission 22 is over there go get yeah. pamphlets go get the information have a good time and make it productive we're, we're even starting to talk with uh certain online veteran um hiring websites like recruitmilitary.com you know we're, we're looking to try to build something with them 
where veterans can also come in. Let's add maybe job opportunities for them through yeah. our uh, connections. So right. we want to give them a good time and help them. Those two well, things. It, yeah, man. And it, and it absolutely, res- live music absolutely resonates, you know, I, I think with most veterans. I mean, who hasn't been cleaning their weapons in the barracks or down in the motor pool blaring music, right? Like right. It's, it, it, it's a fundamental pillar of, you know, just the whole military experience, right? Um, it really is. You know, yeah. I mean, every, uh, country, the rap, the heavy metal, the metal, the alternate, like it's, I mean, it's there. I mean, music is one of those things that just, yeah, I mean, it just brings people together regardless. And and I, and I know that you have, a, you know, you have a variety, you have a diverse lineup at, you know, at a lot of your shows and your, your organization is going to be huge for folks coming out of this quarantine because one of the things a lot of people aren't talking about right now is, you know, you know, veteran suicide. We know it's out there. Uh, they just had a thing on the news about it with the president and uh, uh, Chad Robichet, who uh, was he's a force recon marine. He was there as part of it, and then he was on Fox and Friends this morning. But I mean, I personally know uh, three Marines that have killed themselves during a quarantine. One of them was a motivational speaker uh, for PTSD. Uh, he had lost his leg in Afghanistan. Um, and like, that was his bread and butter to wake up every day and work with vets. And it was about six weeks into the quarantine when, you know, when I got the news and, you know, having these events like you're having and having resources available on site, I mean, cause that might be it. That might be the time that they're just like, well, let me go check this out, see if it changes anything, you know? And I, and I know, you know, the calls to the VA hotline are up. Um, but it's just, it, it, it's so important that, you know, people get out and they connect with these resources and it, and, and it's it really is amazing that you know your your brand and organization it, i mean is focused primarily on that you know providing some entertainment and providing the help that they may or may not need you know i mean you can right. lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink but hey man let's uh, let's get everybody lined up on the edge of the you know on the edge of the river to drink i and, I, uh, I love it i love where your head's at and and i'm really excited to build this together in the future you know i i feel like we're the the luckiest people here because we get to meet all of these amazing organizations like mm-hmm. yours at rit and we just it's amazing every show we do there's a whole there's a new table there's a new group of veterans a new group of people yeah. willing to help out our family and we're having a great time doing it and i i can't really think of a better thing when you combine all these together you oh know? yeah man and we, we got a great team at RIT. Uh, I mean, my boss, uh, Rachel Flattery, and then, you know, uh, my my colleague, Amy Ortiz. Uh, I mean, just fantastic human beings with, you know, their hearts and head is r- right there with the vets. And, uh, you know, they're they're super advocates. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the designated outreach specialist, so I'm out circulating a lot more. So I get a little bit more exposure than they do in the veteran community. But, um, yeah, there's no shortage of... Uh, people, you know, standing by to help. And, you know, RIT has been great as well, you know, because we fall under uh, diversity and inclusion, which uh, which is a great place for us to be because, I mean, veterans are, they're not only are they, is it a very diverse demographic, but I mean, it's also a very small uh, percentage of, you know, the American population. So, uh, you know, with their own unique set of needs and things of that nature and challenges. So, it's just, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. Plus, you know, just getting the exposure to, you know, uh, the uh, Veterans Open Bound program uh, on a national level. I mean, I was at a, I was at a veteran retreat this past weekend, um, talking to a, 
he was a he was a seal for he retired he was uh, 22 years retired out of the seals living in texas had no idea about the hazelwood act um and uh that he could go to a school for free because he's a texas resident so you know just stuff like that being able to you know yeah carry the water for him um and and just you know educate myself as much as i can on the benefits available to him and then you know don't be the guy with the secret you know uh one, one of the things that you know i I, I keep in my mind is that, you know, all my experiences and um, challenges, good, bad, and different and ugly, you know, uh, over 22 years in the Marine Corps would be for naught if I didn't share, right? Like, it's a great it, point. That, that really my, I mean, yes, they were my experiences and it was my career, I guess, in a way, but it doesn't belong to me, right? Like, I, I can't, if I just tuck it away and never talk about it, never do anything with it what was it for? Right? Like if I can make yeah. a difference in, in a, you know, in a young service person's life or somebody that's thinking about joining the military. And, you know, I tell my kids, like, you guys don't have to join the military. You don't have to join the Marine Corps, you know, um, and let them make their own decision. But Hey, if you want to talk about some stuff, let me know. I mean, cause I'll, I mean, I'll give it to you straight. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like I said, man, I feel, I feel pretty fortunate and uh, I'm really grateful, uh, for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Uh, the on, the honor is all mine, brother. It's been it's been an amazing time spending, you know, having this conversation with you and and you know letting people in on our world. And I'm just excited for our next adventure together, man. We, yeah, man. You know, <laughs> we have a blast together. I think we just immediately, yeah. You know, I mean, we're both Marines, but still, like when I first met you, I'm like, yeah, this is a guy that I'm going to be able to hang with and have a blast with. And yeah, I mean, I think we have a lot in common and. and we're going to do some good, sure. good things here together in the future, in the very near yeah. future. So, Oh, definitely, brother. Definitely. All right, Tom, uh, where's the best place for everyone to find Veterans Upward Bound online? Well, uh, the uh, you can do a quick Google search, and you can just do Veterans Upward Bound RIT, which will bring you to our landing page. Um, but the, uh, the web address specifically for that is uh, www.rit.edu backslash diversity, backslash veteran, tack upward, tack bound. And that'll bring you directly to the landing page. Um, if anybody out there wants to send me an email for more information, um, you can reach me at uh, T-A-B-D-D-I, that's Tango Alpha Bravo Delta Delta India at rit.edu. Uh, send me an email um, and I can get you some information. If you're not in my capture area, um, I can put you in touch with folks uh, in your area specifically. Um, and you can also send a request for information through the website. Okay, awesome. Great. And we'll also have this information up on the screen as well. Sounds good. I appreciate it. I'll let you get going here and uh, kick you off here for the weekend. And hopefully you have some cool things planned for yourself here hey man i appreciate it thanks again for letting me on and happy father's day to you i know you're a father and uh you guys uh have a good weekend thank you and happy father's day to you as well all right my brother thank you so much all right you take care yeah man out here that was major thomas bertram usmc retired from veteran outreach specialist at rit for veterans upward bound the american warrior festival podcast brought to you by oliver's candies the creator of the American Warrior Festival Candy Bar. Oliver's Candies is proud to offer you the largest selection of award-winning chocolates made in Western New York. Visit them online at oliverscandies.com. Now, coming up next, we have veteran Tom Everett from the Warrior Brotherhood MC in New York.
And until then, check out some more music by Weapon X. Here is Burn the Dear John Letter.
We are here with my good friend, Tom Everett's, a.k.a. Vector from the Warrior Brotherhood, MC in New York. Hey, Tom, how's it going, bro? Hey, good, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, anytime. Thanks for coming on. So uh, how are things going here in New York tonight? You know, it's, it's finally gotten to be the good weather, you know, and uh, with a little bit of luck, we'll uh, – We'll be able to get some motorcycle events going, and because uh, everything's been canceled so far this year, and it's been unfortunate. But you know, it's, it's right. looking great today. I hear I hear you there. It's actually supposed to be a, a rainy day. They said today, but we actually uh, stole one from them. Got a sunny day out of it. Uh, yeah. Pretty much spent the whole day <laughs> in the office, but it's all good. I hear that, man. I'm working from home, and that's where I am, stuck in the house in the quote unquote office. That's going to get a little bit more mobile soon. <laughs> so, right. So, so I ask everyone this question: That's working from home. Do you have like the suit on top and the in the the boxer shorts in the bottom or pajamas? What do, what do you got rolling there? Are you just roll out of bed and ready right onto your computer? What's your move when you're working from home? Yeah, you know, I got to start work at eight o'clock, which means I roll out of bed around seven forty-five, pop in the shower, throw <laughs> <laughs> so a decent decent t-shirt on some basketball shorts and i'm working for the day there you go it, it don't sound too bad so it's not bad you know and then 4 30 rolls around i just hit the shutdown button and you know walk the, away there you go shut it down and turn away fast or slow just get out of there right yeah, start the exactly, week exactly exactly get on I've that motorcycle gas in my car i've only put gas in my car twice since uh march 15th and uh you know, I'm trying to get some saddle t saddle time in, and uh, Memorial Day weekend. You know, I usually ride down to uh, to the uh, Washington D.C. where the club gathers on Saturday morning, and we wash the Vietnam Wall. Um, we couldn't do that this year, obviously. So me and a couple other buddies, we took off and went to Gettysburg for the weekend and had a great time there. Oh, nice! So I mean, I just missed you because I was down there. Uh... I don't know if you saw on, on Facebook, I was down there this Monday. Or we, we got down Monday, had the meeting at the hotel on Tuesday, because I'm not sure if you saw that, but our Gettysburg event, the American Warrior Festival at the Gettysburg uh, Battlefield Bash, is a go. Uh, we just got confirmation from the hotel that we're going to be able to rock and roll on July 24th to 26th. So. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, we just I will, missed you. I will definitely help spread the spread the word on that. Uh, we got a big club event happening um, that weekend in another state, but uh, there won't, you know, some people won't make it to that, so some of the guys won't, and I'll uh, certainly, you know, help promote and get the word out. Awesome, uh, thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. So why don't you uh, yeah. tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your service and. Uh, you know, what got you to join the military and what it's meant to you and all that good stuff. Sure. I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of like a military, but I, uh, I joined right out of high school. Um, the reason for joining, you know, I had nothing better to do that day. So I, I showed up, <laughs> I showed up in downtown Rochester, walked in and said, yeah, Hey, how about, I want to join the air force. And, uh, you know, the guy's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> He's like, and, uh, you know, it was uh, three months later, I was off the Air Force Basic, and six months later, I was uh, I was crew chief, uh, crew in B-52 bombers, and, uh, you know, 
working the working the alert pad. We had them loaded up with nukes, ready to go, and it was Cold War games back then, in the eighties. Wow, and uh, you know that that lasted that la- that was a good gig for four years, and uh, and then they uh, they had signed a treaty with Russia. It was right around the time when the Berlin Wall fell, and uh, so they made the B fifty twos a non nuclear asset. And uh, that was pretty much all it wrote for me because that was the only thing I did. And uh, so I actually got out in uh, early early 1990 and uh, tried the civilian world for a little bit and uh, couldn't didn't really like it much. So I, I didn't dive right back into active duty, but I went into the Army Reserve and uh, put myself through school. And uh, and then once I graduated with, a, I got my, my degree in, uh, as an RN and uh, worked in critical care. And once I finished that portion of it, I went back in the Army as direct commission in the reserves again. And uh, yes, I think that was probably about 1998. And, uh, and then 9-11 happened and, you know, the entire military got an invite to uh, the sandbox. So we all went there. Yeah, that that's for sure. Uh, it was pretty much a, a full time sandbox commitment after that, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. It wasn't a matter of if, if you're going, it's when you're going. Right. Ex- exactly. I mean, we saw a ton of uh, when I was there. We saw a ton of guard units there as well. A bunch of reserve units were pretty much all active duty at that time. I know the yeah. Marine Corps Reserve units were doing seven months. I think just the Marines in general were doing seven months on, seven off. And you guys in the Army, I think, were. Uh, Year and a half deployments, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, I went. Uh, I went. Um, I actually landed in country on my birthday, December eighth, and uh, that was 2002. We uh, we built up and developed a uh, uh, hospital facility with inside Kuwait City at using their Kuwaiti Armed Forces Hospital, and uh, and we drilled and trained. We took a lot of the care of a lot of the. Um, infantry guys and Marines that were just coming in the country to get them up to speed on their, on their shots and, uh, whatever else they needed to dress. And, uh, and then, uh, we were also going over to the, um, Kuwait, uh, the Kuwaiti, uh, us, the U S embassy in Kuwait, and we were running a medical clinic there. And, uh, and then in March of 03, when, uh, when the invasion kicked off, we were the only hospital facility in the area of operation. So we took a lot of, a lot of Blackhawks coming in with, with, you know, wounded guys and injured guys and, uh, Marines, army, um, pretty much Marines, army, a couple of, uh, a couple of Navy guys that were corpsmen that were, were up there, um, you know, up forward and stuff. And, and then as things pressed forward and, uh, uh things moved on into like, I think it was April of 03, um, you know, the, the forces advanced far enough that uh, they established combat support hospitals and and uh, fast units um, up, at, you know, halfway between Kuwait and uh, and Baghdad and such. And, and then we became sort of a, a secondary facility where we'd receive wounded after they had a short stay at a, at a hospital, you know, in, in the... Uh, in Iraq, and then they'd come back to us, and then they'd we'd either revise a surgery or or you know get them give them a few days to heal up a little bit, and then if they could return, they great they could return. If they didn't return, you know we were arranging transport out of uh, out of the area to uh, sometimes it was straight to to Brooks Army and 
Texas or uh, Walter Reed in uh, Washington, and sometimes in Lunchstuhl, Germany. Oh, right, yeah, because Germany was kind of the, the, I mean, obviously the closest spot for the, the major medical stuff going on for, for all of us out there in the sandbox, right? Germany was, yeah. wasn't, wasn't that the primary because of its distance? It, it was. It started off, I think, lunch, lunch school was the only option. And then once they got things up and running and, you know, the C-17s were, were awesome little setups for uh, for flying hospitals and they'd staff them up. They were, they were taking people, um, even severe burns and things like that, they were taking them directly from Kuwait straight to, straight to Texas, which was pretty impressive because that's, that's like a 24, 25 hour flight. Yeah, that's that's a haul because usually most of us uh, left from you know the New England area, right? When we, I mean, I, yeah. we flew from L.A. to uh, I want to say was it Maine or Newfoundland? I I, be, I believe I can't remember. It was one of those yeah. two, and then it was on to Ireland, right? And then finally Kuwait. I think that was the route yeah. we, that we took. Yeah, we took a. Uh, we started. We we went to Benning for our our spin up and uh, and get all our gear. And uh, then we went from Benning to um, uh, Shannon, Ireland, and uh, and then from there we went to Cyprus, and we actually we were flying a commercial contract, so they put went into crew rest for like twelve hours, so they put us on this resort in Cyprus, which was pretty neat. Yeah, and, it sounds uh, it sounds like fun then, right there, a resort. It wasn't bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Through you know, and then from Cyprus uh, we flew into. Flew into Kuwait City at night, and uh, you know, next thing you know, we're we're you know, getting off the plane and yeah. off we go. You know. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, the base there in Kuwait it was Camp Victory, right? I can't remember the. It was Victory. I was, I was actually at. So I was actually at Camp Doha. Oh, okay. Uh, at, in 2002, we had Camp Doha, and then we had the uh, uh, I think they called them the Kabuls. Um, the forward camps, and they named them after the 13 colonies. So there was New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia. Um, I'm not sure if there was others beyond that. I can't remember. But then they had Eric John at the time was was sort of just a, a rub mark in the dirt. It wasn't really much of anything. And and uh, once they they started building up Eric John, um, I think they they after we left, we left in in July of '03, and. Uh, got replaced by another unit and uh, it wasn't long after that that they shut down doha and every and eric john became the main the main post in uh kuwait with there's a victory or wolf at the airport yeah yeah i, I want to say that Thanks. we i believe we took off from kuwait in a c-130 which it didn't go very well the first time in it we got there in september it, well, it was hot all the time right but we we got in the c-130 and it was having engine problems so we're sitting in there, and of course we had a hard charging gunny. He was like, "Keep all your shit on. Keep your, you know, keep your freaking Kevlar on. Your your everything. Have your uh, vest on." And everyone sweating their ass off and becoming heat casualties in there because we're sitting there grounded, and we couldn't get up in the air. Finally, this uh, this Air Force uh, member, she basically said, "Get all your, you know, I'm running the show here. Get all your equipment off so you guys don't fall out." So she was like an angel from heaven, you know, we're like, ah, yes. <laughs> People are, you know, we're not even going to make it to Iraq. 
So we go up. Right. So we're grounded. We go up. They make us come all the way back down. I'm like, man, we're not even going to make it there. So finally the bird got going. The C-130 got rolling, and uh, we made it into, uh, I think it was Al-Assad. And then we convoyed to Ramadi, um, if my memory serves wow. me correct. So, yeah, the C-130, I'm sure you spent quite a bit of time in one of those, huh? Yeah, that was actually the first aircraft I ever worked on. When I was uh, after basic and I went to um, Shepard Air Force Base for advanced aircraft uh, training, um, the, uh, the C-130 was one of the first aircraft that, you know, we really learned the mechanicals of. Um, we had a couple of fighters there. We had an F-4 I did hydraulics on. Um, I can't remember what systems it was on the C-130, but uh, might have been landing gear or something. But, yeah, and then from there I went to Barksdale Air Force Base, and uh, that's where I did my my on-the-job training stuff for for about three months um, in Louisiana. And then, uh, you know, the Air Force kind of played a joke on me. I When I joined the Air Force, I had no intention of coming anywhere near home. Rochester is where I'm from. And uh, so I they put a sheet in front of you, you know, saying, here's your dream sheet. <laughs> dream sheet. Pick yeah. your, what's your choices, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a dream sheet, all right. Because I crossed out the U.S. I crossed out you know, um, they, you know, everything that was within the U.S. I crossed out. I circled Europe and I circled, circled the, the Orient. You know, I'm like, I want to go anywhere, anywhere but there. And uh, <laughs> they gave me orders for uh, Griffiths Air Force Base, which was in Rome, New York. Have you ever been there? They're not, but uh, that is a hundred miles from from my driveway. And uh, <laughs> see, that's where I was for four years. <laughs> see, man, you, you learned you learned the. Uh... The mistake you made was you should have circled Rochester or Rome, and You're then they right. would have sent you yeah. the other. You know, you know how that yeah, works. Yeah, man, I want to go right there. I want to go right to Rome, New York. I don't want to go anywhere else. They maybe would have sent me to <laughs> North Dakota or something. You know, <laughs> where, where's where's he want to go? Screwed by the green weenie again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got. <laughs> Man, we got this. We got this cool island called Guam. Huh? <laughs> <I'm> there. <laughs> yeah, sweat it out. Uh, so now, let me ask you because we we all know about the Air Force. You guys have the nicest chow halls, the best squad bays. Like you guys have still have that beautiful blue carpet everywhere, uh, like they do now. Or you know, it's all you know. I think now in the Air Force, they even have room service set up. You know, it's so good. I I I, I, I believe it. I don't doubt it one bit. Man, they should, they should give the Marine Corps some of that money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Air Force deploys you. You're not in the Hilton. Something went terribly wrong. You guys are smart, man. I'm telling you. You know, we try to be all hard charging and, you know, badass. And here we are, using stuff from Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> I got my my stepson. He wants to. He's talking about joining the Air Force or even trying to get into uh, what's it called, Space Force, Space Command. Oh man, Space Force. That's got to be probably a, a huge yeah. line for the Space Force. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what his chances are. He just finished his junior year of high school. Uh, next year, we'll see what he, where he ends up. And um, you know, he, I, I told him. I said, "Look, you can, you can be a, a ground pounder if you want. You know, whatever you want to do." I said, "But you know, an E two is getting paid the same amount of money, no matter where they are." <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Ex exactly. <laughs> so. That's. That's true. Whatever you want to do. Uh, awesome, you know. man. Well, 
Oh, it's always great talking about where we've been here in our military service. Oh yeah, um, yeah. We can we can go on about the military for hours. Yeah. Oh, we'd be we'd be on here three <laughs> hours from now. Still still going. Uh, so right. yeah. Now, Tom, we met uh, what 2017. Uh, I think we met on Facebook through some of the American Warrior posting. Uh, so let's talk about you know how that how we uh, met there and your service after your service. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I remember you were just kind of getting started. And I remember seeing this American warrior music festival, um, pop up on my Facebook feed and I'm like, man, what's that? You know? So I, I clicked on that. And at the, back then you were doing stuff at that, uh, uh, I can't remember. Frost, Frost Ridge. Yeah. The, the Ridge. Yep. Yep. The Ridge. ridge. Jam at the Ridge. Yeah. Out there. Yeah. Out in Batavia. And, uh, man, I really wanted to make it, but every year it seemed to conflict against something else that I had involving, um, when you mentioned my service after my service, it was always matching up with, with some big event that I was doing with the American Legion, uh, American Legion riders back then. So, uh, unfortunately I could never make it. And then, um, and then this year, you know, coming up, um, there was, you know, I was really like, okay, you, you know, we got to do something and get involved in this and, and, uh, really, really push it. And, uh, we had a great idea there. But uh, my service after my service, you know, I've, I've done some stuff with the local Patriot Guard, um, you know, doing some funeral escorts and uh, dignified transfers and attended a, a veterans funeral down in uh, down in Bath, New York, at the at the VA, at the cemetery there. And uh, just, uh, you know, helping helping vets wherever I can, wherever I, I can see us see something that I can chip in and help out with. If it's just something simple as, you know, they, they need a support person or if they, you know, needed something done at their house, that was a pretty simple job. They could, you know, step in and help them out. There was a dude that, uh, he started off on a hike. Um, gosh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he started off with a hike around the U S four corners, like he was doing. And, uh, and then it turned into he was riding this bicycle, and uh, so when he come when he was coming through our area, um, you know I reached out to him and and he was staying in downtown Rochester one night, and uh, so me and another buddy of mine we rode up on our motorcycles up there and uh, you know held some American flags and uh, had him ride out through that and starting his journey you know going up towards Maine and. Uh, he was doing great. He was uh, he was quite a ways into the into his ride, raising raising a ton of money for vets and uh, veteran services. And uh, unfortunately, he got to DC and he got hit by a car, and uh, he really oh, got man. hurt pretty bad. But I think he's kind of recovered from that now, and you know, eventually he's going to finish that ride. He's got the leg. He's got to go from DC um, down to uh, Key West. And uh, and that'll conclude his ride. So I'm hoping that you know we can see him, see him get back on his on his bike and and finish his mission. You know. So yeah, see. that that sounds amazing. Uh, in fact, I'd love to have him on the show, talk to him about his experience and uh, his ride and everything, and, yeah. and about continuing. Uh, you know, Tom Tom's just one of one of those vets that's always um, always there to help in any way that he can. I mean, Tom, you you've done so many different things for us alone. Um, I mean, helping us with our candy bars, you know, getting letters out to the New York uh, American Legions. Um, you're just always there to lend a hand. Your service is, it, you know, it's total. You're always giving. You're always there. And, and, you know, 
our veteran community and family is so much better off because of guys like you. So uh, kudos to you there, brother. Yeah, thanks. Oh, I just, you know, I just found that guy's name, Eli Smith. Okay. And, uh, you know, I will, uh, he's on Facebook, um, just under Eli, E-L-I Smith and Four Corners Hike. So, you know, check him out. He's got, you know, he's still doing stuff. He's been making um, uh, flags, you know, out of out of wood, doing woodworking and stuff. And, uh, you know, hopefully he's going to be uh, be able to finish his uh, the rest of his journey down to Key West. So, yeah, I'll definitely uh, connect you guys up and uh, get him on. Get him on your show. He's a great guy to talk to. Yeah, that that'd be awesome. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the Warrior Brotherhood MC. Uh, you guys are a bunch of great guys. I've hung out with you, you know, uh, not for too long of a time, but the time I did have, I, I really enjoyed myself. A lot of ball busting and uh, great camaraderie. So, well, just tell me a little <laughs> yeah. bit about the boys there in the Brotherhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're the the Warrior Brotherhood MC is you know their primary mission, their mission statement is veterans helping veterans. That's helping vets. And uh, Warrior Brotherhood MCs, uh, uh, it's coming up on, on almost 20 years. It's been around uh, various various locations around the U.S. Um, we, you know, we're not an outlaw club. Where people hear motorcycle club and they think, oh, it's a gang or something. You know, right? Sure, sure. This is not the right perception. You know, we're 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 a 99% of club, uh, which means if, if we're out there riding our motorcycles. Uh, you see us around we're we're not on a we're, we're more likely on a charity run we're more than likely on a group ride to an event um that's the kind of stuff we do and uh you know we're always on the lookout every one of us is kind of on the lookout for that vet that uh you know maybe they just need a ride by maybe they just need to they're isolated at home and they just need a you know would like a bunch of vets to ride up and and you know, have a sidewalk conversation for a little while, you know, make their day a little brighter. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I started out with the, the warrior brotherhood. Um, it was, uh, October, yeah, October, November of, uh, 2018. And, uh, you know, we're just like any other motorcycle club. You got to hang around, you got to prospect, you, you got to earn your, earn your spot, you know? And, uh, so I, I think it became a, became a patch holder in, uh, in late summer of last year. And, um, and ever since then, you know, I haven't looked back, you know, just cause they, you got to, you went from being a prospect, to being a patch holder, you know, that's when the real work starts. That's when you really gotta, you, you, you really gotta drive hard and, and you want to make, make the organization better, you know? So one of the things that, that I wanted to do when we got there, when I, when I became a patch holder was, you know, here's, I was having trouble getting traction with the American Legion. A great organization, great guys in there, but I really wasn't getting anybody behind me with the American Legion and supporting the American Warrior Music Festival, which I thought, this is, this is crazy. This, this, right. this is a guy, you're a guy out there that is uh, doing things that are right in the wheelhouse of our generation of veterans, right? Right. And, uh, you know, got great music lineup. This is fantastic. So, you know, I, I couldn't get the Legion to go on it, but we talked to the Warrior Brotherhood and they're like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Let's do something, you know? And, and then you had the idea of adding, uh, adding motorcycle clubs to, um, to your event, especially veteran MCs. So then I took that and, <laughs> and said, why don't we do a rack? 
let's do a ride that starts off in one location, you know, goes all around the Finger Lakes. We can pick people up along the way. They can join in, whatever, and we'll finish the ride up at the concert. And, uh, you know, now we're, now we're, you know, not only are we having a, you know, American Warrior Music Festival full of vets, we've gone out and found vets in the community that ride motorcycles and, you know, we've got a preferred parking in downtown Rochester at a concert, you know, and this is going to be great. So we were excited. We had this thing. We started uh, planning for it back in February and got our Facebook, um, got our Facebook event out there, which uh, if anybody's interested in taking a look at on Facebook, we are the Warrior Brotherhood MC Chapter A uh, dash New York. And uh, we've got an event out there for the Rolling for Veterans Motorcycle Dice Run. And uh, we originally had that planned for next weekend, June 13th. That was our original date. And, right. uh, and then COVID came rolling around, right? And uh, so yeah. um, <laughs> we were wrenching the works. Yeah, it, it sure did, man. And here we are uh, because we were we were tying it together with uh, the, the Montage Music Hall, which has always been a great venue. And Randy Peck over there is always taking care of us. Um, we had Weapon X, um, our East Coast chapter so to speak our east coast band out of new york city um well basically there's where our rhythm section comes from and that's our headquarters in the east um, we had the guys coming up we're gonna have an, an awesome show we did reschedule it to august 15th so tom and i and uh, the rest of the group are holding tight to august 15th with randy at the montage and uh expecting yeah. to have things go on without a hitch i mean that's the plan all right uh so we have two two things going on there. I mean, we just have to make sure that the the event happens, and then I have to get down to New York City and start uh, pounding it out with the guys and getting ready for it. And um, with COVID and now all the other other stuff going on, the madness down there in New York and the cities, we, we have some obstacles to overcome. But uh, we're going to aim to do that. And, uh, yeah, Tom, you were telling me a, a, a cool story well, off the air, actually about when you hit the, the vaccines with the um the anthrax shot which i'm trying to oh, I think oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when when i when i was in i mean i i was uh deployed 2005 to 2006 so i believe that i might have gotten that shot too you know you know how you walk through the shot gauntlet in the military where you just have both right. arms and all of a sudden these the guns on each arm just cranking on you so you don't even know what the hell they're putting in your body you're just walking through the, the shot gauntlet right right yeah, that that anthrax vaccine. You remember that one because that one just felt like you know they talk about the murder hornets around. I think it's the murder <laughs> hornet thing, man. Because that that one got you, and it was it was a series of six, you know. And uh, and you and I were talking about, you know, we, we were we were in a medical uh, unit, so not only were we giving it to each other, we were giving it to all the guys coming in the country and pro and spinning up for the invasion. So. We'd pat, we'd hand that thing out and giving people shots, and then, uh, you know, we're in like two of number six, and they said, hey, stop giving this shot. It's it's experimental, and uh, we're not sure what'll happen if you continue. And the CDC says stop. You know, and we're like okay, and then you know it's like a month later, they're like, no, nah, give it the shot. You can have the shot. Go ahead. It's all fine. Uh... And you're like, yeah, it's the military, right? So, you know, here we are going through the rest of the shot sequence, and you know, I. I got some after effects that I am convinced are connected to that shot, but, uh, I, you know, who knows? It'd be like, you know, 
50 years from now, the military will say, hey, this group of vets that got the anthrax vaccine, um, you know, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you never know, man. You, but, you're, the, you're the guinea pig. In five years, it might start growing a tail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, then, you know, now we got this COVID thing, right? And, you know, it's kind of the world's a crazy place right now. So you see all this stuff going on on TV and, you know, people getting together and, and uh you know, gathering in the streets and all that and, and peaceful protests. And you got to look at them and think, you know, man, these people are really packed in tight in some places. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe this thing, you know, COVID thing is really a real thing. Maybe it's not a real thing. Who knows? You know, it certainly, certainly could be. But, uh, you know, I, when it comes to the COVID vaccine and they roll that out, yeah, I'm kind of thinking along the lines of the anthrax vaccine experience and saying, you know what, I think I'll wait. I think I'll hold off a year or two on that and uh, before before I jump in. Let some other people go first. You yeah, know? right. You say, I've already been anthrax. Let me see what the hell is going to yeah, happen yeah, there. Yeah, I still, yeah. I'm still yeah, on the clock yeah. with that one. The end, right, and some right. more shit to my body here. We don't know what the hell is going to go on. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll just hold off on that one because, you know, it's. I know, I know, you know, my medical experience isn't at a physician level, obviously, but um, I started applying some logic to the flu shot and how the flu shot works and who all gets the flu shot. And, you know, the flu shot still, flu still around and not everybody gets a flu shot. Well, this COVID thing, you know, it just doesn't like come around and then suddenly go away. It's going to be a virus in the world. So, right. You know, I don't know. I don't want to get down, go down that road too far with you, you know, but yeah, you know, I want to get back to, uh, to the American Warrior um, concert that we were playing for August. Yeah, let's, you know, let's talk more on, about that. Yeah, I just I just looked on Facebook just to see where our event sits. You know, we're planning on this thing starting uh, August 15th, on August fifteenth, and uh, we're hoping everything's going to be able to go off okay. It might not be the the ideal, you know, ride where uh, we're 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 having a whole bunch of sponsor supported gifts that we can give away and things like that because you know biz- small businesses that usually support that stuff are really hurting right now really been but, shackled uh, on, the, on that end you know yeah, with the sponsors yeah. so dried I, up a little know, bit yeah right right so i'm still hopeful you know that we can have a ride and uh we've got i just looked at it i got 946 people that have either expressed an interest or are planning to attend on that Facebook event. And, you know, that's just Facebook. We've got posters out there, business cards out there and stuff. And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we might get a bigger number than that. Right. But yeah. if hopefully, awesome. you know, be an awesome day, you know, and, and I know from uh, riding bikes around and stuff and, and seeing people out and about, you can just tell the, the motorcycle community is their, their mouth is just watering to, to go to an event they are that's what they do you know good probably 75 percent of the motorcycle community um in this in this area is all about going to group events and, and group rides and stuff like that so it really is the lifeblood of what you guys do and and your foundation of your organization uh you know uh let's see lost my train of thought there don you have to uh probably have to cut that one off because i had a good point to make <laughs> Oh, well, I want to talk a little bit about the the Warrior Brotherhood again. Um, we uh, we every Memorial Day, uh, one of the big events in our club is we we meet down at the the uh, the actually we meet at the Iwo Jima Memorial on early Saturday morning, 
and we ride over to the mall and uh, meet up with the park service and and we wash the uh, Vietnam Memorial on Saturday oh, morning, awesome. uh, Memorial Day weekend to get it nice and shiny and looking great um, for that weekend's event. And, uh, you know, it's, I visited the wall many times. Um, the first time I actually got a chance to get my hands on the wall and actually clean it, um, took it to a whole new level, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's a great honor to, that our club is able to do that every year. And uh, we hope to, we couldn't, unfortunately, we couldn't do it this Memorial Day weekend. We, uh, instead, a couple of us from New York, we rode down to uh, Gettysburg and connected with our Pennsylvania chapter. And we had a great weekend and hanging around the battlefield, Gettysburg, which is, which is a phenomenal place. Oh, man. Like I, like I was saying, I only got to check out two of the most uh, the popular sites. Uh, what's it? Little Round Top and uh, Devil's Den. Yeah, yeah, I was in Devil's Den. That's a cool Those, The rocks? There, man. Oh, man. It's... Yeah, yeah. The little swamp in the middle. You're just like, you're standing up there imagining, you know, guys running across that thing. Uh, that's crazy. Savage battle, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Tom, going back to the uh, run, that's that's what I wanted to touch on. Uh, the cars can ride and can be a part of the run as well, right? Uh, oh, you can absolutely. go in your car. Yeah. And any, anything that rolls, right? Right. Right. You can, you can do whatever you want. You know, we got us, we're the original plan, you know, we were going to, we had this dice run set up and we had stops planned at, at various, uh, various American legions and VFWs. Um, so that, uh, you know, we're also supporting, supporting those, those locations. Um, and, uh, and then rolling the dice, you know, and, and whoever's got the, the highest dice roll at the end, you know, we got some decent, decent uh, prizes going out for that stuff. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter what you, what you have, you know, you got, you got two wheels, three wheels or four, uh, Join on got in. A motor and you can make, you can make it get on, you know? And now does it still st- uh, start at the Leroy American Legion and is a total of 100, 130 miles, right? Yeah. I think that's where we're at today. Um, we may change that up a little bit depending right. on what's open and what isn't open, obviously. But um, that's where we started it off. We, we had it set up that way. We were going from, uh, from the Leroy Legion, um, going, down, going down 19 to uh, the Warsaw Vets Club, and then from there um, down through Groveland to the Sonia Legion. Um, from there, we were going to head down to Canisarega, and then from Canisarega over to Whalen. And Wayland, uh, we're going to come up to uh, up in the Bloomfield, and then from there, you know, ride right down uh, uh, 31, um, pick up 31 up up there, and ride straight down Monroe Ave all the way to the to Chestnut Street, and then at the Montage. Man, that's going to be a great time. So, that just sounds awesome. Yeah, and it's it just also, a great day in the sun, you know. Oh, absolutely, and we're hoping for great weather. And also, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Red Osier meals there. You know, our sponsor, the Red Osier, is always taking care of us, and um, we're going to tie in some Red Osier yeah. food to the uh, to the run. So excited about that as well. Yeah, me too. That was really great because that was one of the one of the pain points for us. Is you know we're we're really good at helping vets. We're really good at at riding motorcycles, but when it comes to to cooking food and uh, and distributing food and figuring out that part of it. 
Yeah, we're not so good. But, yeah, we'll uh, let the pros the do that. Osher, yeah. Right, having the Red Osher say to, say to us, you know what, we got this. And uh, we're going to set everybody up with a food voucher, and they can come up to our up to our tent or truck, and, and they can spend that food voucher any way they want. And if they want something, they want to spend more, spend more, spend less, spend less. You know, but uh, right. that's, that's, that's a great setup for us and, and makes things easy. Yeah, it's going to be great for all involved. Nice and simple and just a great uh, cap yeah. to, a, to an awesome day. And we're going to have some rock and roll, some metal, some good music, live music there at the montage. So, you know, we're going to go with that. We're going to pull, pull for it and uh, keep it on the calendar and lock it in and, and hope for the best. That's the best we can do right now. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's our mindset. Yeah. So, well, Tom, you know, uh, if it's donating a kidney to your sister or helping your fellow veterans, you're always giving, man. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, yeah. You're just one of That's those guys. Thing, other thing there, that was, yeah. And thank you for bringing that up. My sister's doing great, and uh, and I'm doing great. And um, you know, if anyone out there has ever had known somebody that's on dialysis and knows what all the challenges that person goes through, um, donating a kidney, you know, although it was a, it's a significant surgery, you know, it's it's a couple of days of discomfort, and. Uh, and you're you're back on your feet and doing great. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I I think I encourage anybody that's out there that that has ever thought about it or even just getting screened to see if you're a match for somebody. There, you can totally go through the screening process. It's all anonymous and find out. Go all the way up to the to when surgery is going to be scheduled and and make the decision then if you're really going to go through it or not. You got every opportunity in the world to back out, and there's no cost to the person whatsoever. The Kidney Foundation and Donor Network, they cover everything. So, um, you know, that's, it's a great thing. And I, and my sister's doing great. She couldn't be happier. And uh, so thank you. Thanks for bringing that up again. Uh, and and any, like I said. Anytime. Anytime, brother. That's a special thing. And, and you're always doing special things for your family and your veteran community. So like always, man, it's a pleasure to speak with you any, any chance we get. And uh, I thank you so much for coming on and, and being a part of this. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's good talking to you, man. It's always it's always good to to hear what the you know. Even though you're a marine, and I know you're over there <laughs> munching on your crayons, and, you know, maybe you got your big box of sixty four now. I don't know. But, oh man, know. <laughs> I do, I do, and I got whipped cream and everything ready for it. It's oh, it's yeah, Friday night, so yeah. we go extra special tonight. Oh, uh, there you go. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know how oh, we do it right. in the Marine Corps. Uh, got it. So, all right, man. Well, hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. That was Tom Everett's with the Warrior Brotherhood MC out of New York. All right, that's going to conclude Episode 3 of the American Warrior Festival podcast. And we'll see you next week. And until then, I'm going to leave you with some music by Van Nuys Music Corporation. This is Bruce Lee's Wisdom. say you've got a lot of talent you want to do everything in the world I think it's true you could do anything but there's just one problem that I see you haven't done it yet 
scientist You want to be a nuclear physicist I want you to know that's alright by me There's just one problem that I see You haven't done it yet Festival Podcast is brought to you by the Red Osier Landmark Restaurant, Oliver's Candies, Smokin' Eagle Barbecue and Brew, The Firing Pit, Orcon Industries, Ken Barrett Chevrolet Cadillac, TF Browns, One LLP, Batavia Legal Printing, Gun Track App, and Amerahome Healthcare.